This hour of gameplay is brought to you by FanDuel. Bet on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. You're listening to Gameplay with Matthew Cause on TSN 1050. Embrace the odds. I want winners. Apologies to Damian Lillard. He scored 71 points last night. Didn't need overtime. Oldest player to score 70 or more. Apologies to Major League Baseball. I'm not going to lie to you. I am wildly fascinated by what's going on in spring training. Games are ending because of pitch clock violations. I don't know why i got to say that slowly, but I feel (laughs) like I do. Yes, I am. There's something about those words like that. (laughs) Uh, Manny Machado also involved in that. We're seeing baseball games that are two hours and 29 minutes, and Kikuchi is rising up on FanDuel to win the Cy Young. The Toronto Raptors should be happy about the recent news going on, or maybe we'd spend more time on them getting killed 118-93 by the Cleveland Cavaliers last night. Oh, by the way, good afternoon, everyone. This is Gameplay. I'm your host, Matthew Koss. That's producer Nick McVicker. Hope everyone had a great weekend. And there's just so much to talk about with the NHL, with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, and then I get excited. I see Charles Barkley on first take about load management that is catnip for me charles barkley plus first take plus load management i feel like i have an 11 minute rant about kevin durant ready to spring forth so how many opening thoughts do we have today oh my god there's (laughs) so many and there is a chance let's just peel back the curtain this show is all about transparency we might have Andrew Nemhard on the show, rookie point guard with the Indiana Pacers, the only second-round pick that was invited to the Rising Stars Challenge, won a Canada's own, and the better that he gets, uh, we'll claim, Torontonians will claim him as one of our own. He might call in at 205. We don't know. It's just the you know, Pacers teams, they got, they got schedules. They got their own load management. You know, so uh, we'll see. So, um... Uh, you, you just heard. Uh, is wait a minute? Okay, I saw a happy birthday, Michael Fox. That's not Michael J. Fox. No, the other uh, actor, Michael Fox. Okay, who's older? Okay. Way older. Okay, we can't get into which we Michael Fox. We, we don't have, have time we have, for this right now. We have Matthew. no time. I just I saw the word Michael Fox and I got uh, I got excited. You have so many deals. Tebow Meyer is now a devil. Like like what's come? What's what's entered the East? Timo Meyer, Bo Horvat, Ryan O'Reilly, Vladimir Tarasenko. We're waiting for Patrick Kane, Dmitry Orlov, and then Tampa gave up all their draft picks to get Tanner Janot. And now the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I wonder how much of this is. Wait a minute. Why are all the good players from the West coming East? Ah, oh, damn it. Goodbye, draft picks. And and we were wondering, oh, I wonder if they'll sacrifice uh, their their 2024. No, they still have their 2024. But now they're are they're traded to Chicago, conditional 25 2025 first rounder, a 2026 second rounder, a couple prospects including Joey Anderson coming back, defenseman top four defenseman Jake McCabe, Sam Lafferty. And some conditional fifth-round pick, so we we don't have to worry about. So this, like, and hold on, before we yeah. get into it, the 2025 first-round pick, top ten protected, top that's ten the, protected. Thank you, thank so. you. That that is that's great. No, that's 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 good. To, by the way, if in 2025 
the Maple Leafs are drafting in the top ten, how much has gone wrong with this team? Or how much has gone really right that all the players priced themselves out? Mm, no, that's all bad. If the, let me just tell you something right now. If the Maple Leafs are have a chance to draft in the top ten in two thousand and twenty five, I'm I, I'm I'm moving on to another line of work. Okay, I'm just no, you're not. I'm, I'm, you will love. You would love talking no, about that no, for two hours. I, no, I want them winning. I want joy. That's why I think we're all excited about this deal. Blackhawks retain half the salary, so it's uh, two million bucks a year, and he's under contract, I believe, for two more years after yes, this year. Yes, he is. So. What does this mean first for the Maple Leafs? Well, it'll mean Mark Giordano. By the way, congratulations, Mark Giordano. You, you, set, you set the shot-blocking record last night. Good for you. As Toronto just bleep, uh, bleeped up the Seattle Kraken. And Austin Matthews scored two goals. And, and Marner. Oh, my God. Marner on that. So good. <laughs> oh, my God. A couple of those passes. Ridiculous. The one to Lilligren. Woo! The one to Matthews, I think on the second goal, they made it 5-1. I'd have to go back and look at my notes, but I have to scroll down and down to find my notes on what happened last night because so much has happened since then. Back to the Maple Leafs. By the way, um, Nick, I want you to do me a favor. When it's time to do the opening thought for, like, I don't think Andrew Nemhart is calling in. Just just uh, g- give me a ding, and uh, and we'll we'll do the opening thought, which is hockey-related. It's Okay, so, okay, one quick final thought here. Uh, Mark Giordano, this probably means, boom, he's on the third pairing. That's great. Fewer minutes for him. I, I just heard um, Frankie Corrado saying, what about McKay? Will he eventually be on the top pair with Morgan Riley? Is it is it TJ Brody with Justin Hall? Does Justin Hall have to get traded because... You activate Matt Murray, well, you're over the cap. Justin Hall, $2 million, then he's UFA. But don't you have to give up more draft picks to get a team to take that contract? Potentially. We'll see. What happens to Sandine? What happens to Lilligren? By the way, on FanDuel, the Leafs' odds to winning the Stanley Cup have gone from 10-1 to 1 to 9.5-1 to 1 on just this move. So much is going on. Let's keep this train going. Let's keep the NHL playoff trade train going with my opening thought. Time now for Matt's opening thought. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? And here we go. I mean, it's really nothing more than a self-absorbed monologue, a chance for Matt to rant about something and pretend he's a serious radio personality instead of a gas bag. Let's face it, he stole this idea from Dennis Miller. Now, I don't want to get off on a rant here. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Very exciting news. Andrew Nebhardt is going to join us in 10 minutes. Let's do this quick. I want to bash Gary Bettman in the NHL, but for full transparency, let's bash another sport. May I present you the NFL Competition Committee, (laughs) where they're like, oh, nothing to see here, everything's fine, just keep moving, while there's a fireworks factory in the background that's just been hit with an 18-wheeler filled with rocket fuel. Because, you see, over the weekend, they looked at 80 roughing the passer penalties. They found out only three were questionable. Holy Lord, I love QB play as much as the next guy. I hate seeing backups, but at some point, you're ruining the integrity of the game. I totally get why you're doing it, but you don't need to worry about people tuning out. Preseason games get better ratings than playoff games in basketball. All right, moving on. Listen, Gary Bettman, you need to be bold, just like teams like Tampa and New Jersey and Toronto. you got to be bold. you got to come out and say you are changing the NHL playoff format by the end of this business day. 4 p.m. stat. 
Banker's hours. I don't care what conference or division you are in. I don't care what ocean your arena is closest to. The NHL must take the top 16 teams based on record and seed them one from one through 16 for the first round of the playoffs. Now, this thought came into my head yesterday because of a couple things. One, all the deals that were going on by elite Eastern teams. And two, this tweet from Mike Kelly from the NHL Network. The Leafs, the Lightning, the Hurricanes, the Devils, the Rangers, all with a points percentage north of 640. Two of those teams will not win a playoff round this year. The Western team with the most points, Vegas with 76. There are six teams in the East with more points. The Western team with the best scoring differential, Dallas. There are four teams in the East with a better one. Would have been five, but Tampa lost 7-3 to Pittsburgh. A Penguins team that can miss the playoffs. That's how good the East is. By the way, in this current format, the Leafs, as we all know, will face Tampa Bay. So all the hard work done by Toronto gets them a first-round opponent with a better record than the number one seed in the West. Joy. <laughs> I mean, I feel bad for Tampa. They're going for it. They traded all their draft picks for Tanner Janot. Toronto just made more deals to bring in McCabe after doing the big deal to get Ryan O'Reilly. Over the next three drafts, Tampa's got no first-round picks and just three picks in the next three rounds. I've yet to calculate the draft capital by the Maple Leafs over the next three years, but it's low. So, Gary, are you going to embrace the purest form of meritocracy and reward the teams that do all the winning? Or what about the teams trying to do all the winning? The Islanders, they were a borderline playoff team. They traded for Bo Horvat. They've got a winning record since. The Rangers got Tarasenko and looks like they're going to get Patrick Kane. The Devils got Timo Meyer. Do you realize the, Dev- the Devils are fifth in scoring? They're like, bleep it, let's get more offense. Leafs offense got better with Ryan O'Reilly. The Bruins defense got scarier with Dmitry Orloff. My lord, with exception, uh, you know, with almost all of these deals, the star player has gone from west to east. I know the taxes suck in California, but this is ridiculous. Is every team in the west gunning for, for Connor Bedard? What's left? Jacob Chikrin? I don't even want him traded. Now it's JVR? There's a reason James Duffy has to cry himself to sleep. There are no stars left. The East is hogging the ball. Yet we're going to see so many great Eastern teams get eliminated by other great Eastern teams. Meanwhile, in the West, there's a decent chance the Kraken will go further than the Carolina Hurricanes. The East is so good, I'm not even going to place a future bet on any of them. Not even Boston! If you go to FanDuel, six of the top seven teams with lowest odds to win the Cup, they're all from the East. Now, I understand this is the lament of a Leaf fan who would dropkick his mother for the Buds to win a playoff round. Don't worry, my mom doesn't listen to this show. And I understand that sports, the term fair doesn't exist. We've seen conference and balance in other sports. The NBA, the CFL, the West is always king. The AL East, the NL East, and baseball spends more money than anyone else with the exception of the Dodgers. But damn, the shame of all of this is that most people would go for this. Most sports fans, unless you're a fan of a Western Conference middle class team in the NHL you love my idea you want my idea because you see as sports fans we love fair we crave it even though we understand it's a pipe dream but if you'll excuse me if I'm not dreaming of a first round of Boston versus Pittsburgh Jets possibly doing battle with the Leafs and so many more juicy matchups with great teams with great players and zero draft picks and that is my opening thought I'm finished Kind of edited it down and sped that up a little bit because we appreciate got that. Yeah, because we got Andrew Nephart coming up on the other side. And of you're the really show. excited. We can tell. Oh yeah, you know I'm curious. We'll start this with Andrew. 
What's it like when you're a young player and you're seeing history on TV? It's crazy, right? Like, what is it like as an NBA player looking through the eyes of an NBA player watching what Damian Lillard did last night, scoring 71? Yeah. So we'll talk to Andrew about that about his development, about his journey. This is going to be a great story about a young Canadian basketball player on the rise. And then don't worry, kids. After that, we got a lot of Leafs. We got a lot of NHL. And uh, James Duffy, thoughts and prayers. This is Gameplay. So I'm basically convinced at this point that the entire Western Conference of the NHL is going after Connor Bedard. Every big deal. It's about an Eastern team giving up draft picks between now and 2052. First round, second round, third round, fifth round, conditional, non-conditional, kind of conditional. All for the hope of trying to beat another team with a winning percentage of over 640. My Lord. Like, think about it for a second. Think about the Eastern Conference NHL playoffs. Oh, thank God, it's it's on the Eastern time zone. Wouldn't that be weird if Eastern games were played in Pacific time zones? But think about how good it's going to be. Every 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 game, every team, stacked. Who's the bad team? Who's the bad team? You know, maybe you don't like the Islanders, but you know they went out and got Bo Horvat. You know, like, hey, let's try to improve our offense. The Penguins, who beat Tampa like seven three, they might not make the playoffs. And then you got the West saying, all right, oh, oh, Winnipeg, oh, Niedermeyer, it's a good deal. It's a good deal for the, for the Jets, but it's just all in the East. It's crazy. It's, it's, it's absolutely nuts what is going on. Jake McCabe, in case you didn't know, has been traded from Chicago. I honestly thought Kane and Taves would be traded first. It's like everyone else in the Blackhawks is being traded. And then eventually, Kane and Taves are like, hey, guys, wait for me. Well, I mean, Taves, <laughs> Taves there's a reason that he's not traded. Why? Because he's not playing. Yeah. Okay, beyond that, what else you got? <laughs> I feel like that's a pretty good reason, Matt. That's yeah, not bad. It's not a bad reason. And then Kane is like... Hey, and that one I don't understand. That just needs to happen. I'm tired, by the way, of all these NHL teams. No, no, they're like... I, I hate it in basketball, so I have to equally hate it in, in hockey. It was like, ah, no, you're not going to play. Okay, I got a question just for you. Just sit here on the bench. You see yesterday's game? Mm-hmm. I think it was the Rangers, where they, they dressed 18 players, yeah, and two didn't... of them didn't play a single minute? Yeah. What did you think of that? Um, I didn't think too much of it because to really understand exactly what's going on, you have to get into all the rules of salary cap, of injury players, of bringing them up and then sending them down to open up cap space. And to have. And then at some point, my eyes just roll back. And then I go back to thinking about Timo Meyer with Jack Hughes. So that, that was, it, it, it was dirty. I wasn't a fan of what the Rangers were doing. I mean, hell, I even, but God, I have to go way down on my notes to try to, yeah. Rangers dressing 18 skaters is mandated by the CBA, but only playing 16. A couple of them will be sent to their minor league team to clear up space for Kane. And I'm just not, there's too much news going on. There's too much fun stuff going on to do cap space talk. And you know what? We're going to move on from that all together. So excited for my next guest. Indiana Pacers guard ranked second among all rookies in assists. It is Andrew Nemhard. Andrew, thank you so much for being on the show today. Man, thank you guys for having me. Oh, yeah. Hey, you know what? I like. I had all these questions set up, but I want to start here. I'm curious. When you, I, I'm sure you caught, at the very least, the highlights or saw it on Twitter. What is it like as a professional basketball player looking at it through your eyes when you see what Damian Lillard did throwing up 71 points last night? Oh, man. that's a, He's a treat to watch, honestly. He's a, 
just a well-rounded player. You, you, you can just see when we play him this year, he's just so calm. He knows what he's doing. You can tell he has experience. Um, he feels very comfortable. And obviously, he was very comfortable in that game. Um, elite shooter, too. And I, it must be weird, you know. I, I obviously you haven't had a ton of experience of of uh, guarding a, a Damian Lillard or a Steph Curry, just because in, in different conferences and all that. But what is it like, just as a guard? And you're a very good defensive guard. When it when you have to realize I might have to guard this guy right after they cross mid court. Yeah, you know, um, it's one of those things you got to stay attached to, stay stick stick on them, um, know where they are at all times. Those are the, those guys can get hot with one easy look. So um, you just have to be prepared to make anything tough, make their job kind of get physical, make their job tough. And I, I always say when people say, oh, the game was tougher back in the 90s, I'm like, yeah, well, in the 90s, you didn't have to guard a guy as much as you have to guard today's guards and point guards. Um, Andrew, I, I'm curious, getting named to the Rising Stars game uh, this, uh, two weekends ago, how much you know, how much did it feel like an, an acknowledgement of the work you have done on and off the court? How much, how much of this was about redemption, about showing the world, hey, maybe I should have been drafted higher? Yeah, definitely. I think I'm always one of those guys that's been counted out growing up and um, going through. And um, I just always want to prove myself, always want to compete against the best player with the best. So, um, you know, it was just a, it was just a nice, nice, nice weekend to celebrate my family. Um, appreciate because it's hard to kind of throughout the season to appreciate kind of what you do um so it was nice man i'm excited to kind of keep going keep working keep getting better hopefully i'm in the game again next year how important is family was family to you to your journey um you know you had a a very well-known college career and then now in the nba i don't know how far your parents had to drive you places or stay up late but how important were your parents to you being in the nba now huge huge My, my pops was um he coached me when I grew up. He put the ball in my hands, kind of started me in the game, and he had a gym open for me every single night, damn near. And uh, Aurora, we would go shoot. Um, he was just—he was just always prepared to kind of put his his things aside to give me the opportunity, give me a chance to um, to do what I could do. And um, my mom's always been super supportive. She she really just she just wants me to have fun out there, you know. Um, so they've, they've they've been huge and just giving me opportunity. Um, to grow. Joined by Pacers guard Andrew Nebhardt. And th- by the way, that's great to hear. I mean, it's so. I mean, you must have felt great. Like I'm sure your your folks uh, must have been beaming with pride when you were there. But you must have felt great. Like almost like, hey, mom, hey, dad, thanks for what you've done. And you know, my success, I- you know, is a testament to your work. No, definitely, definitely want to pay it for to them because without them, there's no me, and it's just. Just all the work they've done has gotten me to this point, and, you know, it's a blessing. What are the biggest adjustments? I'm always curious of asking rookies about this, because you played at Gonzaga, so you, you know, you, you played at a very high level against top-level competition. Um, what's been the biggest adjustment for you going from Gonzaga to the NBA? I think the biggest adjustment is obviously the size, athleticism um, of guys, but I also think, like, the, the basketball IQ of dudes and how they their feel and how they play off of each other is a lot higher too. Um and then also aside from just the in game stuff, I think like just the the growing schedule, um just just being being prepared to, to mentally and physically to know the scout, know know what you have to do as well as keeping your body right so you're you're prepared to get in the game, make an impact. Um so I think those are the biggest differences for me. How important 
important is sleep? We, I remember back when Steve Nash was winning MVPs, he talked about having a sleep doctor and a sleep schedule and, or a, just someone who would help him with naps. I think it's one thing that fans mm-hmm. don't realize. How important is sleep to you guys? It's huge. It's huge. There's a lot of research being done on it, uh, but sleep is probably the number one thing for anybody to, to, to maximize their health and maximize their their next day. Uh, so it's been huge, and I've been I've been – I've been pretty solid at trying to keep track of it and um, get my consistent kind of time schedule going. But, you know, it's tough. It's tough when you get, get in late and lose flights 2 o'clock in the morning, keep that schedule. So definitely a huge thing, and uh, something I want to continue to develop. I'm sure you've been asked this, but for this audience, and again, joined by uh, point guard for the Indiana Pacers, Andrew Nembhard, can you tell us how did that moment feel? And I'm sure you've been asked this. When you beat the Lakers, it's the game-winning three-pointer, 116-115, um, back in late November. What did that moment feel? Because uh, I love watching on YouTube. What, is that, what did that moment feel like for you? That moment was big, man. It was, uh, it was one of those ones where we're on a road trip. We haven't got a win in a couple games. and um, That was one of my first games back, actually, from a, a little slight kind of injury. Um, and I was shooting well that game. I think I had four threes. I mean, 3-3 leading up to that shot, so I was feeling good. Um, and, man, that was my first time I've had a walk-off game winner, too. So, oh. huge moment, obviously, against, against, <laughs> against LeBron makes it even better, I guess. But, you, um, yes! Yeah, the, like LeBron was out there guarding you. You hit that shot. Your team is celebrating. He is in a very different emotional state. That was a hell of a moment. Nah, definitely. Definitely, uh, <laughs> definitely exciting moment, for sure. And as a rookie, I'm curious, Andrew, what is your job on the road? Team dinners, bringing donuts. Um, what is it like being a rookie for the Pacers? Um, it's, it's great, man. The organization is super welcoming when I came in, um, giving me the opportunity. The coaching staff gave me the opportunity to just grow, develop, place my mistakes. Um, and just that everybody behind the scenes is just good people. You know, they, they, uh, there's a reason why, why, they, why this is a good franchise. Um, and, I, and we're young right now, but we want to build it to that point where, where we're competing again for championships. Andrew, as I let you go, and I appreciate you joining us here today, um, you do realize I was born and raised in Toronto, and the obnoxious thing that people from Toronto do, when athletes from Canada excel in any major sport in North America, we will now claim you as Toronto's Andrew Nemhard, and I want to apologize to Aurora, but it's, just, it's an obnoxious thing that we do here. Nah, nah, I get it, I get it. Whenever I'm in America, I gotta tell people I'm from Toronto because they don't really know <laughs> Aurora too well. <laughs> Have but, you tried to explain where uh, what where Aurora is? Yeah, I, I just tell them it's north of the city. <laughs> yes, but Aurora's a great place. Taught me a lot of things. Grew me up. Great people around there. Really appreciate it, Andrew. And as we watched you at Gonzaga, we've watched you with the Pacers, uh, the Laker game, the All Star game. Um, all the best to you and your family. Congratulations on your success and continued success on your journey. Thank you, man. Appreciate you guys having me on. Um, talk soon. Talk soon. That is Andrew Nephart, Indiana Pacers guard. And if you haven't seen it, go back. Go back and take a look at his winning three pointer. In L.A. And who was guarding him? It was LeBron James. A pretty damn cool moment. All right, coming up on the other side, Mark Masters is going to join the show. We get back into the latest where the Toronto Maple Leafs have just gone and brought in Jake McCabe. 
a uh, left and right uh, shot defenseman and a top four guy, and they now have him under contract for the rest of this year, the year after, the year after, at $2 million. What does it mean for the top six? Who is in? Who is out? My God, there's so much to get to. We get to Mark Masters next. Welcome back, everyone. This is Gameplay. I'm your host, Matthew Kosh. Show as always brought to you by FanDuel. Bet on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. And my advice to you: do not place a single bet on the play on the Stanley Cup. Who you think is going to win? Don't place a futures bet on who you think is going to win the Stanley Cup from a team from the East. Because if you look at the top seven, six are from the East. And the seventh is an Oilers team with a couple fun players, but a team you don't trust at all. And the Maple Leafs, they went from 10 to 1. They're now 9.5 to 1 after the trade they just made a couple hours ago. The Chicago Blackhawks uh, getting uh, Jake McCabe from the team. Join us now to talk all things Maple Leafs. It is Mark Masters. Mark, thank you so much for joining the show. Hello from Seattle. Oh, yes, 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 indeed, indeed. Uh, and it's, you know what? I feel bad for Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. Marner, okay, let's start there. Before we can do the trades, just real quick, what did you see last night from Matthews and the two goals and just more ridiculous, filthy passes from Marner? Yeah, uh, it looked like a lot like last year, right, for Matthews and Marner, which we haven't seen a lot of this year. It's crazy how little Matthews and Marner have played together. They started the season together. The team didn't get off to a great start. Uh, they did not have the same connection. November 12th, uh, Sheldon Keefe finally uh, breaks them up, and they had been split until January 25th. They got back together for a game against the Rangers, but, oh, no, Matthews sustained a knee sprain even before the game started and then was out. And then when he came back, initially he was back with Nylander. So finally reunited, and that that looks a lot like what we saw last year with the connection and Marner passing and Matthews batting the puck out of the air, just looking like he's got the puck on a string, which we just haven't seen a lot of. Crazy to think that was just Matthews' third multi-goal game when he had 15 last season. So nice nice sign for the Leafs that Matthews and Marner looked like that um, and that the team as a whole within that uh, played very well. So um, that's a really positive sign down the stretch here because it's, it's honestly been one of the big – mysteries of the season that Matthews it just in general hasn't scored at the same rate but that he hasn't been with with Marner yeah well it, it, the funny thing is is I always push back if anyone out there goes oh look at the media freaking out about Matthews that is a false straw man accusation no one has it's just we've all been confused because how dominant he's been as a goal scorer and it hasn't been there this year and the thing is it's a bunch of things. You know, his shooting percentage dipped by about almost 5%. He's shooting far less this year. He is scoring at a per 60 mark, the, the lowest figure of his, of his entire season. And then we wonder, how much of it is injuries? How much of it is luck? And how much of it is not having Mitch Marner next to him? It's, it has been one of the big mysteries of this season, hasn't it? Yeah, and, you know, playing with Nylander, Nylander's having such an amazing goal-scoring year. Yeah. So perhaps, you know, passing a bit more, being a bit more of a playmaker as Matthews, but he just hasn't felt as dominant. And maybe our aggression was, was expected, just 60 goals, so hard to do. I mean, oh, God. it's not like... 
it's not like Ovechkin was putting up multiple 60-goal years. He's got his one. Stamkos has his one. It's so hard to do. So I know there was, you know, John Cooper late last year was saying, oh, 70 is possible. It just felt that way with the way Matthews was scoring every game. But it was always more likely that he would have a bit more of a, uh, a more realistic number come back to earth a little bit. But I think everyone was kind of looking like, oh, well, 50 more so than 40, which is what it's been on pace for here for a good chunk of this year. So that's why it's been a bit uh, a bit uh, surprising for people that it would be such a drop-off. Uh, and he has been in his own end. Like, you know, I know he's leading all NHL forwards and block shots, but Sheldon Keith pointed out, like, that's probably a sign that he's in his own end too much this year. Um, you don't watch Austin Matthews blocking shots pure, uh, that no. much, certainly. You know, he's been in his own end. He hasn't been on offense as much as they would have liked, and as a result doesn't have his, his shot totals are going down. So, um, yeah, you, you know, you don't want to doubt Austin Matthews because of what we've seen from him, but it hasn't been the same year. And um, we'll see if just last uh, section of the season, that one of the big storylines on top of all the trades and the new faces coming in is going to be, can Matthews look more like the Hart Trophy winner? Because if he's clicking on top of Nylander reaching a new level, on top of Tavares getting a bit of a step back that he did not have last year, on top of Marner, I don't even, I, it's hard to say is he even better, but he's certainly at the peak of his powers right now. So if you get Matthews going again, on top of everything else going, at least they're feeling pretty good. And the addition of Ryan O'Reilly, what that does on the forward mm-hmm. line as well. And yes, both these things can be true. Um, we're all a little confused on what's wrong with Matthews, but we all have faith in him, at least in the regular mm-hmm. season. And uh, well, we'll get to Game 7 issues somewhere down the road. Mark Masters, our Leafs reporter, is joining us. Your thoughts, um, how Leafs getting Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty from Chicago. They're giving up a conditional first rounder in 25, a, a second rounder in 26. How much of this um, was always in the works, I wonder, versus how much of it was, wait a minute, Tampa is getting rid of all their draft picks? Like, this is just, (laughs) this is an arms race going on in the East. It's the uh, draft schmaft uh, Eastern Conference. Yes. uh, Right now, and and as it should be, I mean, there's, you know, those top six teams in the East all are got to feel like they got a real shot here. Uh, But they also know it's going to be so hard. Uh, because of the level of competition, if you're not winning the division, uh, and only Boston, and it looks like you know Carolina's in a good spot to win their division, they'll get a you know a relatively easier opponent. But it's going to be such a battle for a team like the Leafs to have to go through the Lightning, and then the Bruins, and then whoever comes out of the Metropolitan um, just to get to a Stanley Cup final. Um, it's going to take a lot. So yeah, you got a chance. There's only so many years where you feel like you're a legitimate, you know, Stanley Cup contender. You, you know, the draft picks aren't going to help you this year. Uh, next year, probably in two years, when you're drafting low in the first round, you know, I saw that was, you know, Julian Breesbaugh was being asked down in Tampa about giving up all these draft picks for Tanner Janot. Well, he's got to win now, and these draft picks aren't going to help him win in these next few years. So when you think about it that way, yeah. And the stakes for the Leafs are just so high this season um, because of so many things. You know, one, obviously, they haven't won a series in this era, and it's so important to show progress and build confidence. Two, Austin Matthews can sign an extension in the offseason, and you certainly want him to be feeling like this is a team that's poised to contend for years to come and feeling good and feeling happy about where things are going. Kyle Dubas is in his final year of his contract, and it's his vision that has been playing out here. So, you know, his job feels like it's on the line just with everything. So, yeah, the stakes are incredibly high here. Everyone, all these top guys are having amazing years, minus Matthews, who's still having a very good year. 
And if you're not all in now, when are you, when, when are you all in for the Leafs? So you can understand why all these teams are parting with, with draft picks. New Jersey's on the come up. The Rangers, I mean, it's just all these teams, you can look at it and say, we got a shot, so let's do it. Yeah, everyone's embracing the L.A. Rams F them picks from a couple of years ago. You, you know what the sad thing of all of this is, Mark? The sad thing is, is that if someone said they would bet on the Seattle Kraken to go on a deeper playoff run than the Maple Leafs, you could actually understand why when you look at just how much more dominant the East is than the West. It's hard to feel that way after I watched Seattle last night. Uh, in person, I know, uh, but but you know what clinging. I'm saying. They're clinging right now, eh? Calgary four points back. That might be the, if Calgary's going to get in. Seattle might be the team they they knock off. But yes, the the West is 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 like wide open. Like Colorado, obviously, if they're healthy, is the class. Um, but they haven't been for much of this year, and um, we'll see what happens down the stretch with them. But yeah, it looks like yeah, Seattle right now. Who do they line up to play? Vegas. Seattle, Vegas in the first round just buying points. So, yeah, I mean, toss up. I'd still like Vegas in that. But, yeah, it's the West is so wide open. I, it's hard to imagine. I know there's been years where the West was better and Death Valley in California, but it, I can't recall a year where it's been such a such a clear delineation between the top six teams are in the East, yeah. and then the next eight are all the West <laughs> all together. And then, then there's the, the Eastern wildcard teams kind of bunched together. It's, it's, it's a really weird season. Uh, and that's why I thought maybe we'd see more more of the big names going out west, just because one move would have a, big, a chance to have such a None. a bigger splash, right? Like could really tilt the balance of power. Whereas in the East, it just feels like everyone is everyone is gearing up except for Carolina. So has anybody really moved that far ahead? Niederreier wouldn't even be, or Nemo, I always mispronounce his name, to the Jets, wouldn't even be a top four uh, deal that's been done in the East in the last, like, 96, or the last week and a half. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll, we'll get from bigger picture to a little bit smaller picture with the actual Maple Leafs. So you bring in Jake McCabe. Um, just, and, and again, this isn't, hey, Mark, predict what you think's going to happen. And we know that there is plenty of time, or, well, not plenty, but there's still time for Sheldon Keefe to tinker. We've already seen him tinker on the top two forward lines. Um, you know, any thoughts on what you think uh, the defense could look like for the Leafs' next game? Yeah, I was just playing around with it. Uh, I'm sure Sheldon Keefe's probably in his, uh, somewhere in Seattle doing something similar here. <laughs> they like Riley Brody. But so I imagine maybe you know keep them together. Then you, they like Giordano Lilligran, and now all of a sudden you got maybe McCabe Hall as your third pair, or you know you you split it up a little bit, right? With the maybe zone starts, and they don't have necessarily a, the same shutdown pair that they would have had last year with Muzzin and Brody, where they feel really good about those guys defensively. But you know I think maybe that's where you put McCabe in with Hall. He brings that when you think about it. If McCabe's knocking Sandine out of your top six. Sandine, the, the, the concern or the question about him is physically in his own end, on the, being forechecked, clearing the net front, you know, does, can he be able to do that? We know, you know, some of his skills up ice and offensively, but, you know, can he handle that if, you know, Tampa's forecheck and that big fourth line gets rolling around in there? So McCabe obviously is a, is a bigger guy, more physical, can handle that, and maybe you pair him with, with uh, with Hall, you could put him with Lilligren and reunite Giordano and Hall, who have had a good run this year. So that's I feel like Riley and Brody stay together. You know that works. That's that's a good pair, but it just gives you a little bit more edge. That not quite obviously Jake Muzzin because who is, but gives you that Muzzin esque element more so physically in the bottom of your your defense. 
And if this also could mean, you know, maybe fewer minutes for a Mark Giordano, it's nothing against him, but he's mm-hmm. the, he's the oldest person in hockey, and that's not a hyperbole. He's he's the oldest person in hockey, and he's played a ton of games and a ton of minutes, and the puck often finds itself, you know, whacking off of his thigh. I feel, you know, you might be able to get an even better version of him in fewer minutes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, again, Giordano... We were just talking about the last few days, him setting the shot block record. I mean, this guy's got a lot of miles on him. He's blocked a lot of pucks. He's eaten a lot of rubber, and it'd be nice to, to take a little bit off his plate. I mean, Giordano and Lilligren actually started the playoffs last year as your third pair. So that the, they've been playing, you know, last night, you know, kind of the second pair. So now you bump, you know, just with these trades they've made, everyone just slides into a better spot, right? Like yeah. the, the whole lineup looks deeper. Everyone's better slotted. Everyone has a little less on their play and uh it just feels a lot better for everyone right so that's what this trade has really done this this last one for the Leafs is slot everyone a little better it feels like i i i'm i'm just wildly curious because for Sheldon Keefe it's one thing if you want to change the lines up if you're playing Buffalo, Columbus or Seattle the Leafs play Edmonton and, you know, I don't need to go over the names and the numbers, but you're going up against, you know, the best offensive players in the league. I'm wildly curious to see um, just who's out there, how much ice time, who's with who, and just what the result looks like. Yeah, I mean, it's that's the thing is you give Sheldon Keefe even more options. You know, playoff series will be about adjustments. And now he's got more, you know, it feels like in the past with Sheldon Keefe, he, he's felt like his only option really when things have gone sideways or is, is really to lean even more on his, on his top guys and is understandable considering the way the roster has been built. But now he's got the chance, if he wants, to spread things out a little bit more, create mismatches in different ways. Um, yeah. And I'm just playing around like with the forward lines. And if you could now, if you want, uh, you know, you could keep O'Reilly in the top six and keep Tavares on the wing. Uh, and then if, if that's the scenario, maybe your third line is Engvall, Camp, and Lafferty. And then the fourth line all of a sudden is Yarn Crow, Kachari, and Kerfoot. And Aston Reese gets bumped out of the lineup. Yeah. Um, like, you're feeling a lot deeper. You're feeling a lot better about that bottom six. And it really felt like that was a huge disadvantage for the Leafs last year in the series against Tampa is that the, the Lightning could get, get uh, productive, even scoring from their, from their bottom six, whereas the Leafs really kind of just wanted to survive those minutes. And if you want to move O'Reilly down, all of a sudden, you know, you have even more options there. So um, it certainly bodes well for, for, for the first round. And, and obviously you're going to need depth because you're going to have injuries. And to Boston, if they get uh, do business quickly in the first round, they'll be rested and waiting maybe in the second round. So you're going to need as, many, uh, as much depth as you can. So it feels like uh, as much as they've given up a lot in terms of draft capital, it's felt like these moves are necessary really to maximize the, the opportunities at least have in front of them this season. Mark, thank you so much. There's so much going on. We didn't spend one-third of it where I usually ask you a bunch of jackass questions that's so self-indulgent that usually just makes me giggle and, and you, at the very least, politely fake laugh. That's how busy we are right now. It's been all sports, and uh, I appreciate you taking the time last minute. Always a pleasure, my friend. Take care. That is Mark Masters, our Toronto Maple Leafs reporter. <laughs> just the Blackhawks locker room going to be like? Where is everyone? So like just Kane is going to be in there. He's like, eh, there's no one around. All right. Um, we haven't even done the wheel of sound. There's a lot of good stuff going on. By the way, I now have a wheel sound for the wheel oh. of sound for you. Oh, do you have it right now? Do you want me to play it for you? <laughs> yes, I do. All right, here you go. Is Ready? Right? Yeah. 
I like it. I, like I, I tried it. to keep it short for you. I yeah. tried to make it the one that you wanted. There's mm-hmm. lots of different options for wheel sounds. I didn't realize this. This has been like weeks in the making to try to get the <laughs> right one for you. So now we got it. I'm we have diva. it ready to go. All right. On the other side, um, usually if someone said there was a 6-6 tie in exhibition baseball, I'm like, why the bleep are you bringing that up? Because it's actually incredibly exciting. I will explain in just a moment right here on Gameplay. We take a small break from chatting about the Toronto Maple Leafs trade for Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty from the Blackhawks for a 2025 first-round pick and a second-rounder in 2026. I do wonder, will Kyle Dubas be around in 2026 to make a third-round draft choice? I kind of hope he is, because that probably means the Leafs have had success. If he's not here, it means probably first-round playoff exits and... Don't, don't care how you feel about him. I think we all feel that a deep playoff run would sure be swell. Um, I, I do wonder, um, anyone who bet on the Dallas Mavericks on Sunday, the Lakers, um, they were, they, this season, teams that trailed by 27 points or more were 0-138. and Lakers found themselves down by more than 27. LeBron was limping, and they came back to beat Luka and Kyrie to the point where Jason Kidd not happy. I'd love to know what the live lines were like on FanDuel for that. And man, the FanDuel lines for Super, uh, for Stanley Cup futures are bouncing all over the place. Timo Meyer gets uh, gets traded to the Devils, and and Jenu uh, gets traded to Tampa. Uh, I'm sorry, who? Huh? Who did you just say? Who are we talking? Are we talking? You said Meyer. Yeah, Timo Meyer. And, and who was after that? Well, the Tampa Bay, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning. What about them? What was the guy's name? What are you talking about? I, I, I said his name. Oh, did, oh, did you, oh, you want me to say uh, Chenu again? Is that what? What, what did you? What that did you need from me? There? That ain't it, dog. What? What? What, what did you want? Tanner? Uh, Ch- oh, Chanel. 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 I don't know what I'm doing there. You, you said Janu. I was like, who I did. is that? I did. Janel. You know, I said, uh, hey, uh, hey, Tampa. Are you going to be making any draft picks? Janel, we're not. <laughs> Oh, I would have gone with. Uh, I would have just gone with a different joke, but well done. We'll Thank go with you. that. Thank you. We'll go. Uh, we'll go with that one. All right. So, give me the sound from uh, the weekend. It was the uh, the Braves and the Red Sox are playing a game, and the Atlanta Braves' own Cal Conley at the plate. He thought he got a bases loaded walk off win that would have given Atlanta a. Uh, 7-6 win over the Red Sox. But then this happened. Could have run them up easily. Uh-oh. And now what? He's out. They have called strike three. Wow! Now, that level of, uh, of energy from the broadcaster for one of the first or second, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I haven't checked the standings for the uh, baseball uh exhibition season but that level of excitement is ridiculous but it's because that was a pitch clock violation cal conley took a few steps towards first base thought he had got the walk but the ump said nope you uh you did not set yourself into the batter's box in time the penalty is an automatic strike that was strike three 
game ended in a tie. And I'm not going to lie to you. I am so fascinated by what is going to go on this exhibition season. Because, you know, it started with on Friday when Manny Machado became the first player to draw a pitch clock violation. And he said the time came by quick. And then Cal Conley was, was um, you know, the Braves, they thought they had to win. The crowd is booing. But the Padres-Mariners game that Machado got dinged for, that game was two hours and 29 minutes. There was one other game on Friday. It was two and a half hours. And I am very curious to see what the reaction is going to be for the first month. Will umpire strictly enforce it? What sort of battles will we see between player versus ump? Coach or manager versus ump. And then franchise versus the league. You get a three-game series between the Yankees and the Red Sox, and the final game gets ended because of a pitch clock violation. How is that going to go over? Now, with Kikuchi and the Toronto Blue Jays, Kikuchi, um, you know, uh, his manager, John Snyder, said, I think the clock is going to help him the way he worked. The tempo was fabulous. Like, I don't know about you, Nick, but I'm so curious about how this is going to impact both the pitcher and the batter. Yeah, and I think uh, why John Schneider was so excited about it for Kikuchi specifically is when we saw him last year in games that he was struggling, he would take a lot of time behind the mound. And while for some players that might be a good thing, it's almost like he... He had too much time to think, and it, and it got yeah. into his head. Maybe allowing him only 15 seconds, give or take, because it's not exactly 15 seconds, because it's 15 seconds from when the catcher throws the ball yeah, back to the pitcher. There'll be some, there'll be some gray area. Yeah. 15, 15 seconds with nobody on, 20 seconds if there is a base Correct. runner. Yeah. The pitcher must start his delivery before, before the clock zero. expires. Yeah, so... Allowing 15, 20 seconds max for him to think might be perfect. You get the, you get the pitch calm going. That's all you're focused on because you don't have enough time to get in your own head. It could help him a lot. It could hurt other pitchers, though, who need that time to, to refocus between pitches. So it's going to be interesting to see. The fa- well, a fascinating thing on this is that baseball players are the most conservative. They don't like rule changes. They like things the way they are. They want the, if the game is three hours and 45 minutes, fine. Let it be three hours and 45 minutes. So how long will they take to adjust to it? Because they, yep. the, like, what players don't realize is you need to still continue to grow the game. you got to try to find a way. You're not going to get a seven. Like, it's going to be hard. To, if a 17-year-old doesn't already like baseball, you might not get them. But the 17-year-old who's a fan of baseball to a certain extent because he, likes it with the, he or she likes it with their folks, you know, Eventually, you're going to alienate the youngins. This, to get the games to under three hours, to try to get it to two hours, 45 minutes, to eliminate all that dead time, this is a good thing economically because the game's got to change. It does. And I look at it that you're not losing game time, which is what people are worried about. You're losing that just like dead time. Nothing's yeah, going on. Time. There's nothing happening. Yeah. The guy's just walking behind the plate or, or the, the, the batter is, what, like, kicking the dirt out of well, his cleats. Go like. YouTube Nomar Garcia Power. <laughs> go YouTube Nomar. The and, best at it. Oh, my God. Just everything got an adjustment. Everything. Everything. Belt. 
belt, gloves, gloves. crotch, helmet gloves, twice, helmet again, back to the crotch, back Cleats. to the crotch. No more. This is live. Get off of the crotch. Like just we'll go on and on. Yes, just you know, knocking the cleats with your back. Oh, a little bit of mud there on my cleat. Let me just get that. Yeah. So. I never, I never. Okay, I played a little bit of ball. Mm-hmm. I never understood that. I'm like, guys, we we want habit. It's just habit. But just, just why is that your? How well, does that become your habit? Well, it's not anymore. It's not anymore. It can't be anymore. Hopefully. Hey, by the way, I'm so excited for my next guest. It's a guy that like he hasn't been on in ages. And I'm like, why is Steve Buffery not been on? And I know we don't cover a ton of TFC, which is what he's covering, but Steve Buffery is going to be retiring soon from the Toronto Sun. Steve Buffery is if like just is part of the Toronto sports media culture. I grew up on Buffery. I did TV shows with Buff back in the day. Um, and if anyone who listens to the show knows, I'm a sucker for newspapers. They are storytellers. They are the ones, um, you know, that just that keep teams honest. And and Buffery has been part of my newspaper life for ages. So I'm like, we got to get Buff on. So the, Steve Buffery is going to join us next. And we'll just hear like great uh, tales from all the different Toronto teams and athletes over the years. And we'll do that next. This hour of gameplay is brought to you by FanDuel. Bet on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app.